those out this morning with me, turn to Psalm 29, please. Psalm 29. We uh, conducted a fundraiser this last week trying to raise some money for our school, and we sold fireworks uh, all week long, and I was a little concerned on, on I think it might have been Tuesday, uh, because everybody knows how dangerous postal workers and black powder are when together. And Lino came over to the fireworks stand and bought $70 worth of fireworks. And I was very concerned. So are your neighbors still alive there, Lino? Julie, did did he fire all those off or is he hiding some in his car? I don't know about that. Of course, I think we have a new postal worker on the rise here. And uh, going to be outnumbered soon. But you know, if you consider the cost of everything in the, in the world, I think stamps have gone up probably the least of anything. It still only costs, you know, it's a pretty good deal. 39 cents to mail something. You mean those 200 envelopes I mailed yesterday with 39 cent stamps on them are coming back? Uh-oh. <laughs> you had the right stamps? Okay. It was my daughter's wedding invitation, so if you guys don't get an invitation this week, it isn't because I forgot you, it's because I didn't have the right postage on them. All right. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? You know, someone once told me, you shouldn't have fun in church. Well, if I don't have fun in church, I will never have fun because I'm here all the time. So uh, I, look, I look forward to being with God's people on Sunday, and uh, I tell you, I miss our pastor. I don't know about you, but I miss Pastor Smith. I miss the conversations we have and, and uh, all the things we do together. I really do miss him and look forward to his return. And I joke about it and say I pick him up because I want to make sure he gets home, but I really pick him up because I love him and I just like spending time with him and I want to be there to meet him and, and bring him home. So you pray for him again. And uh, I count it a real privilege to stand here this morning in his place and uh, appreciate all that he, he means to Berean and all he's done for us. I told my wife just the other day, I only, I only wish I had met him 20 years ago. I really do. I wish I would have met him 20 years ago um, and had the opportunity to spend more time with him than I have. And I appreciate our pastor. Now, he's just a man. He's not God. He's, he's no one special. He's just a man. But I believe when it comes to examples of, of, of godliness and humility and meekness, and compassion, we couldn't have a better example than our pastor. So I appreciate him. And you let him know you love him. You, you let him know uh, you care about him. He's going to be here to preach Wednesday night. This pulpit ought to be filled with cards saying, welcome back, and, and things like that. Uh, raw beef would be great. He loves raw beef. So he likes it cooked, but just don't put any garlic in it, please. And no garlic. I thought about taking him to Johnny Garlic's one time, but he refused. And uh, so anyway... You be sure and pray for the pastor. All right, let's take our Bible, Psalm 29. Psalm 29, if you'll stand with me as we read, beginning at verse number 1. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. 
Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve, and discovereth the forests. And in his temple doth every one speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Let's pray. Our Father, we praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity we've had this morning to worship you. And we just ask as we gather around your word for the next few moments that your spirit would quiet our hearts and would open our minds. And Lord, that we would learn of great truth from your word and that we would desire to love you and to honor you with our lives and to serve you and to go forth from this place with a vision and with a purpose that you have set in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us and all that you will do now. And we thank you and praise you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The scene opens with two men in business suits seated at a table. In the background are many different people sitting at different tables, enjoying a fine meal in a restaurant. The camera focuses on the table with the two gentlemen sitting in business suits. One says to the other, My investment broker advises me to diversify my stocks to prepare for my children's education. What does your broker say? And the second gentleman says, Well, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, And suddenly, every ear in the room bends to hear what E.F. Hutton has to say. If you remember that commercial, you've just dated yourself. I want to speak to you today on when God speaks. Now, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. But unfortunately, when God speaks, most people don't. But as God's children today, I want to speak to you for a few moments, considering when God speaks. In my research, I found that there are 722 passages of Scripture referencing a direct statement from the Lord to man. Thus saith the Lord, or God hath said, or God doth speak. 722 times, and still men do not listen. The Bible that we hold in our hands today, it is infallible. It is inerrant. It is inspired. Yet it is generally unheard. Our Bibles contain 774,746 words. It contains 31,173 verses. Every word is God communicating with man, communicating with you and I, when God speaks. Certainly one would think that when God speaks, man would give his undivided attention to every word. But alas, such is not the case. The Bible remains among the world's best-selling books. But from the condition of mankind today, it is obvious that few are actually reading it or comprehending it. 
Men attend seminars given by supposed experts to improve their marriages, to improve their business, or to improve their social skills. Seminars on how to resolve conflicts. Seminars on how to get rich quick. That's one I missed. Yet, men fail to avail themselves to the counsel of God and His Word. We as a nation have turned our backs on God and have stopped our ears to His voice. We have removed God and His Word, as I mentioned in our last hour, from our schools, from our government halls, from our university campuses, from our workplaces, and yes, even from our very lives. God continues this morning, as He has from the beginning of time, to speak to men, but men do not listen. God today does not come to men and speak with an audible voice, yet He speaks as clearly today as He did when He spoke with Adam in the Garden of Eden. Now before I go any further this morning, how does God speak to us? How does God speak to men today? Well, one of the ways is God speaks to us through the written word. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we read, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When I read this precious book, it comes alive and it speaks to me. And every believer here this morning can testify the same. When we open this book and when we read from its words, God speaks to us just as clear as if he were standing right across from us. How does God speak to us today? God speaks to us through preaching in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 17, we read, Notwithstanding, the, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. My words this morning are not inspired. They are not God-breathed. They are, however, empowered. They are empowered by the Holy Spirit. God can and does use them to convey to you His message today. God speaks to us through the written Word. God speaks to us through preaching. And then this morning, God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 and verse 26, we read, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. Now we know that man cannot discern spiritual things. We know that the Holy Spirit must communicate these things unto us. So it stands to reason that God speaks to us through the Spirit. Now this morning we've established that God indeed does speak to us. And we've established how he accomplishes this. So let me move on to three important questions. Question number one is this. When God speaks, do you hear His voice? In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 24, we read, 
And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth, doth talk with man, and he liveth. When God speaks, do you hear his voice? A voice is a unique characteristic. Forensic scientists can distinguish who can can match a person to their voice. A voice is very unique. A person can be identified by their voice. I can pick up the phone today. I can dial my mother's number. And when she answers the phone, I'll say, hi, mom. My mom has four children, two sons, So that kind of gives her a hint right there. It's one of the two sons. But she knows my voice. She identifies me by my voice. In the penguin species, birds breed in large colonies where nest sites are often densely packed, providing enormous possibilities for confusion. In these species, it has been proven that individual recognition between mates and between parents and their chick is achieved by acoustic signals. Out of the thousands of penguins, two penguins can pick each other out of all of that chaos and confusion because their voice is recognized. So are we to assume today that penguins can do what we cannot? Are we to believe that we cannot discern the voice of the Lord from all the noise of this world? Well, I don't know about you today, but I believe I can. And each of us here this morning must not only hear, but we must respond to the voice of God. The call of God comes to us. The call unto salvation. In John chapter 10, verses 25 through 28, Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. All of you here this morning can hear my voice. But my voice is not the voice that saves. The question is, do you hear the voice of Christ this morning? Only His voice can save. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 we read, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Only the voice of Christ will save. Only the shepherd can save the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd, and we are the sheep. In John chapter 10, verses 14 through 15, we read, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, and they follow him. What about you this morning? Do you hear the voice of Christ? Are you you responding to the call unto salvation? Are you here today and you'd say, I don't know that I'm a child of God? Do you hear his voice? 
Do you hear him calling you today? Not me, but him. Heed that call. Then there's secondly, there's the call unto separation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we read from verses 14 through 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The Lord hath called you and I to come out and to be separate, not to blend in, not to conform. We are new creatures. We have been admonished to be transformed, to be altered, to be changed in our, in our appearance, in our nature. We are to look and behave different from the world. We are to be noticeably different. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, we read, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to be different. And this is referring to our entire life, not just our outward appearance. Far too many of our fundamentalist brethren place all the emphasis on the outside and they completely ignore the inside. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28, we read, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. There's a call in the separate. We're called to be different. Not just in the way we dress, but in the way we live, in the way we think, in the way we do everything. We're not to conform. Our young people today, I'm not going to pick on them, but society pressures our young people to conform, to look like them, to talk like them, and to behave like them. And God hath called us unto separation. He said, you come out of that. You take a stand for me. You be separate. Even if it means being alone. Although we're never alone, are we? Jesus said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. And then there's the call unto service. In Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, we read, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. God calls for his people to serve him today. In the home, on the job, during recreation, we are to serve the Lord. 
This would imply honesty, integrity, compassion, witnessing. It would imply living in the Spirit, living with love and joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So first this morning, when God calls, do you hear His voice? Are you here today and you're lost? Do you hear the voice of Christ calling unto you? Are you a child of God today, but you're, not, you're, you're, you're trying to blend into the world? You're trying to look like, talk like, act like, be like everybody around you? God's calling you to separate. And members of Berean Baptist Church, God's calling us to service. To serve Him in our homes. To serve Him on the job. To serve Him in our community. So first, when God hears, God calls, do you hear His voice? Secondly, today, when God speaks, do you heed His command? When God speaks, do you heed His command? 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 22 and 23, we read, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. This, of course, is obedience to the commands of God. Why do men disobey? I wish I could answer that question. For if I could answer that question, I could keep myself from disobeying also. I don't have all the answers, but there are some obvious reasons why men disobey. We choose to obey, or we choose not to obey. It's a choice. In Romans chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, we read, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. When God speaks, do we heed His command? Do we obey His word? Now, I do not profess to have arrived in this matter today. Neither do I profess to have all of the answers. But let me share just a few with you. First, we disobey because of doubt. We disobey because of doubt. In Mark chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, we read, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. What, is he, what he is saying is, Lord, I want to believe, but I need your help. How often do we fail to follow the admonitions of the Lord because in our hearts we doubt? Now, why do we doubt? Well, we doubt because of our own unworthiness. We, we have the opinion God could not possibly use someone like me. Now this goes back to the philosophy that God saved me because of something He saw in me. But this is absolute hogwash. And hogwash isn't very pleasant, is it? God saved me because He chose to save me to bring glory to Himself. He chose to save me and He chooses to bless me. Not because I am worthy but because Christ is worthy. He does this for Christ's sake and Christ's glory, not mine. 
We doubt because of our own unworthiness. We doubt because of our own unwillingness. The opinion, God only helps those who help themselves. Again, this is hogwash. God continually delivered Israel, even though they were never willing to fully follow him. God's faithfulness to you and I does not depend upon our willingness. That's a human philosophy, not a divine philosophy. No, God is faithful to me regardless of me. He is faithful to me because he has promised he would be faithful to me. Not because I am worthy, because I'm not. And not because I am willing, because I am not. Simply because he is. We disobey because of of doubt. And then, let me say, we disobey because of fear. Turn with me in your Bibles quickly to Daniel chapter 3, please. Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to read two verses, 10 and 11. Daniel chapter 3 and verses 10 and 11. I said we doubt, we disobey because of fear. Look at verse 10 of Daniel chapter 3. If you haven't found it, just listen on. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth that, he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. This is a decree made by Nebuchadnezzar. And the decree was, when you hear the music, if you don't bow down and worship the image that I have erected of myself, you will be cast into a furnace and be killed. Now look at verse number 16 with me. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. To save time, I won't read the whole story. Most of you know it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down. And they were not afraid of the consequences of their action. So often we disobey God because we are afraid. Many today choose to disobey because of fear. Afraid of what others may say. Afraid of what others may do. Afraid of what others may think. Well, ponder this fact for a moment. In Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, we read, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. The spirit of the Antichrist wants you to doubt. He wants you to fear. But we know that Christ is greater than Satan. And we know that Christ dwells within us. Therefore, we know, according to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We disobey because of doubt, because of fear. And then thirdly, we disobey because of selfishness. Because of selfishness. I don't have time to turn to it. You can turn to it later in Mark chapter 10. Uh, We read the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and asked him, what must he do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord said, well, you must keep the commandments and, and, and do all these things. And he said, I've kept them <clears throat> since I was a child. 
And then Jesus looked into his heart and saw what was in his heart. And Jesus said, then go and sell all that you have and give your money to the poor. The Bible says he went away sad because he had great wealth. See, he disobeyed the Lord. Why? Because he was selfish. He was not willing to part with his own wealth. He was selfish. And this selfishness led to his disobedience to the truth given him by Christ. Do we allow doubt, fear, and selfishness to keep us from obeying God? Who will we trust? God or our own depraved heart and mind? In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, we read, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We must commit our way unto the Lord and trust in his righteousness to guide us. When God speaks, do you hear his voice? When God speaks, do you heed his command? And then thirdly this morning, when God speaks, do you hasten to do his will? In John chapter 4, verse 34 and 35, we read, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. I read an interesting story this week. An incident from the American Revolution illustrates what tragedy can result from procrastination. It is reported that Colonel Rowell, commander of the British troops in Trenton, New Jersey, was playing cards when a courier brought an urgent message stating that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware River. Rowell put the letter in his pocket and didn't bother to read it until the game was finished. Then, realizing the seriousness of the situation, he hurriedly tried to rally his men to meet his coming attack, but his procrastination was his undoing. He and many of his men were killed, and the rest of the regiment were captured. Nobert Quayle said only a few minutes' delay cost him his life, his honor, and the liberty of his soldiers. Earth's history is strewn with the wrecks of half-finished plans and unexecuted resolutions. Tomorrow is the excuse of the lazy and refuge of the incompetent. The enemy of every believer is procrastination. The idea that I can do it tomorrow. I will read my Bibles tomorrow. I will tithe tomorrow. I will start to serve the Lord tomorrow. Proverbs 27 and verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Jesus warned of this philosophy of putting off until tomorrow what you know must be done now. In John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus states, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. The night of sin, the night of disease, the night of death, the night of sorrow. And there are times in our life when we can't do things and we must do them while we can. Solomon warned us about putting off our obedience to God. We read in James chapter 4 and verse 14, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, we read, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. 
What is Solomon saying? You better do it today because you might not be here to do it tomorrow. Has God spoken to you about serving him? Well, maybe I'll do it later. I'm still young. I have lots of time. Well, I would serve God, but has he laid it on your heart this morning to do something in his service? Then don't put it off for another moment. Get busy and start serving him this afternoon. Whatever it may be, just remember this. Today is yesterday's tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. There'll be another tomorrow tomorrow. And there'll be another tomorrow the next day and the next day. And when people get in the habit of saying tomorrow, tomorrow never comes. Forget the past. Don't fret over the future. Live in the present. Be a today Christian. Jesus said, take no thought for the morrow. That's not talking about Dave here. Please take thought for Dave. Take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow will take thought for the things of itself. What did he say? Sufficient unto today is the evil. Listen, I'm not worried about tomorrow. I got to get through today. People say, what am I going to do? What am I going to do tomorrow? I'll worry about that if I wake up. I'll cross that bridge when I get there. One of General Patton's aides came to him and said, uh, Sir, in about a week we're going to be at this certain city and we're going to meet up with these troops. He said, in a week? He said, talk to me in a week. I got a lot of battles between here and there. And folks, you know what? Don't worry about tomorrow. Live for God right now. Be the best husband you can be. Be a good father to your children right now. Be a good mother. Be a good Christian. Be a good fellow worker. Be a good friend. Do what we must do now. Do not delay. When God speaks, do you hear his voice today? He's speaking to us. Is it calling you unto salvation this morning? Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Let me tell you something, friends. Only those that God has called is able to believe in him. This world does not believe in God and will not believe in God. Only those whom God is calling can believe. Is he calling you today? Believe in his name. Is God calling you today unto separation or unto service? In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, we read, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Do you hear God calling you today to to service or to separation? Will you say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Will you heed his commands today? Will you obey or will you rebel? Will you hasten to do his will? Or will you delay your obedience? Will you put off obedience until it is too late? Here is where you must choose. In John 14 and Verse 4, 
we read, And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. This morning, after this message, no one in this room can say, I didn't know. Today, will you do what you know you ought to do? Let's pray for a moment. Our Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, we hear your voice. You're calling us today. You're speaking to us through through your written word. You speak to us today through the preaching of your word. You speak to us today through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, you're calling us this morning. You're You're calling some in this room unto salvation. You're calling others unto separation. You're calling all of us unto service. Oh, Father, I pray that we will heed your voice today. And I pray that we will hasten to heed your word. Strengthen your people today. Help those in today that must make decisions for you. Give them the courage and the strength right now to make those decisions. Thank you, Lord, for your Son Jesus and our Savior. And bless our time together, we pray, in these last few moments. In Jesus' name, amen.